Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's time for Next Gen Friday. We are so excited about the future of our fellowship that we highlight the 40 and under pastors of CFM. We hope you are inspired by the deep bench of pastors and leaders coming up around the world. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. We know we serve a good God. We serve a great God. Amen. Amen. All right, listen, all right. So if y'all don't care about God, y'all don't, y'all don't love God, hey, keep that over there. But we serve a good God. Can you say amen? amen? Amen. All right. I know they fed the ladies during the uh, in-between. They all sugared up. Y'all should be ready to go. I saw them snacks in there that we didn't get none of. It's all right. Y'all on my list. On my list. Amen. Now, if there's a plate in my office that I did not know about, I'll retract that. Then I apologize next week. Amen. And so what a wonderful time, amen, in the Lord uh, we've been having in our fly youth. Uh, we've been talking about Daniel. Uh, our, we want to go deeper this year uh, in studying God's word. And so I picked a couple of uh, different books and we began to go verse by verse diving into uh, the Bible. And so just diving into some Old Testament, New Testament uh, people and accounts, and we're going to really uh, mine the text. And we, uh, my aim is to teach the youth how to study the Bible and uh, and mine it for the Word of God, what it means. And so we've been slowly going through Daniel for about uh, about a month now, and so we're going to move on. And so, real quick, don't embarrass me. Where are we going at next? If you're in front line, where are we going at next? Well, praise God. Thank you. We're going to Ruth next. So they do listen. Praise God. So parents, don't tell me your kids don't listen because I just proved you wrong. Amen. And so we're going to Ruth next. And so this sermon comes out of, out of, out of Daniel. And so uh, what an amazing account we have of Daniel. History, no doubt, backs up this account. And there's so many lessons that we can learn from the life of Daniel. But I want to do- uh, uh, dive into you know, uh, this particular uh, portion here in Daniel 6, where Daniel no doubt finds himself in the lion's den, and we know it's a very familiar portion of Scripture. But what I want to look at is how Daniel conducted himself, and how you and I as Christians, as men and women of God, when life throws us, you know, off our square, if you will, when life begins to throw things at us, when uh, the winds and the waves begin to come and things begin to come, how we should uh, how we should conduct ourselves in the midst of all these things. And so I want to begin uh, here with the illustration. It says uh, in 1555, Dr. Nicholas Ridley was sentenced to be burned at the stake in England because of his witness for Christ. So on the night before Ridley's execution, his Brother offered to uh, remain with him in the prison chamber to be uh, his assistance and be uh, be at his assistance and to be of a comfort to him. And uh, Dr. Ridley declined the offer, saying, listen, I intend God willing to go to bed, to sleep as quietly tonight as I ever did, because he knew the peace of God. He could rest in the strength of the everlasting arms of his Lord to meet his needs. What an amazing uh, story here, amazing account of. This young doctor's life, he, 
he was no doubt being martyred for his faith. And, you know, his brother wanted to sit with him and offer him peace and comfort. And he said, you know what, there's no need, brother, because I know where I'm going. And so, listen, most of us will never, uh, if we be blessed, amen, there's no telling, you know, every day changes in America now. But most of us, uh, we believe in God, will never have to face a trial of our faith such as this. And so this is a quite severe case yet. I mean, you know, all of us go through difficult times in life. Can you say amen? And so during those times, it is during these times that we have, to, we have the opportunity to fix our mind on God and receive his peace. But so many of us, we ask questions. We say, listen, how do I stop the worrying? How do I stop, you know, being afraid? How do I stop the panic attacks? How do I stop the anxiety? How do I stop the onset of depression? When all of life is falling apart around me, how do I stop these things? And so we can look at Daniel, uh, who know his world, no doubt, was uh, falling apart and things begin to happen. And, you know, it's an amazing thing from the outside looking in. We can look at the life of Daniel up until this point. You know, Daniel has gone through, you know, uh, uh, some things. He's been promoted. He's seen his friends thrown into the fiery furnace and all of these things. And uh, he's seen Nebuchadnezzar turn into a wild beast and all of these things. And so uh, no doubt if you, if, you get, if you got teens and fly, they can tell you, they can fill in the gaps for you. But we begin to see all these things. And now Daniel is uh, facing, he has a new king. And uh, now Daniel here has been serving some nearly 70 years. And he's not only survived in this Babylonian captivity, but Daniel has thrived. And so he's become one of the top leaders. Uh, at this point, he's a governor. But this all uh, began to come to uh, an abrupt end because as he has, you know, other governors there, they begin to set a trap. They didn't like Daniel. The king liked Daniel, but his, his uh, counterparts didn't. And so now his job is in jeopardy, and, you know, but Daniel didn't seem to let it bother him. And so he was able to stop the worry. He was able to uh, quiet the voice of fear. He was able to overcome uh, his anxiety, and he even found peace during the midst of turmoil. And so can I ask you tonight, how do you find peace in the midst of your troubles? How do you find peace? Where do you go to find that peace? Where do you go when your mind's racing at night? Where do you go when things begin to come at you, when life begins to come at you 100 miles an hour and there's no rest for your weary soul? Where do you go? What do you do? See, it's so easy. We often say it's very cliche now, but we say it's easy to be a Christian, but it's hard to, you know, uh, respond and act like one and all these things. But the reality of life is this is where it's, it's, it's built in the times not in which we're, you know, walking on the water, but it's, it's built in the times when the winds and the waves come. And Jesus is not the picture. Jesus is not as clear as it normally is. When we can begin, as somebody said in Sunday school this morning, to take our eyes off of Jesus and begin to look at the storm all around us. I think it was Lindsay who talked about that this morning in Sunday school. And so, listen, in Daniel 6, we can learn some very tangible lessons about Daniel and how he found peace and gained dominion and what took place in the midst of his lion's den experience. And so I want to uh, encourage you to read along. And, man, we're going to be in Daniel 6 for the most part, so you'll be able to keep your Bibles there. And so we're going to go through this, this uh, account uh, tonight. And so uh, forgive my voice. I don't know. It's the, it's the sick weather or whatever you want to call it. And so it started to escape me this morning. 
And so if it goes out, praise the Lord. Amen. And so uh, Daniel 6, 18 through, through 23 says this. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him. Also, his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Verse 21, then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angels and shut the, the lion's mouth so that they, had, they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Verse 23, now the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the lion's den. So Daniel was taken up out of the, out of the den and no injury whatsoever was found on him because he believed God. And so let's uh, pray and believe God for the message, uh, uh, finding peace in the lion's den. Father God, we thank you, God, for your grace and for your mercy. God, we're praying, Lord, that you would just move mightily in this place. God, as there are souls and, and, and precious people, your people, here tonight who may have come and they're weary in their souls, God. There may be uh, those of us, God, who come with heavy hearts and we're heavy laden, God. We're burdened down by the issues of life, God, by the stresses of life, God, by the things uh, in the world, God, that have caused us to uh, look at the storms around us, God. We're coming before you humble tonight and we're asking you, Lord, God, help us find that peace, God. Help us quiet the voice of fear and doubt. God, help us, oh God. God, to lean on you, God, continually, God. God, that we would seek your face fervently, God, that we would seek your peace, God. And we, Lord God, would thrive, God, in the midst of all that's going on around us. We ask your blessing, your peace, God. Your spirit, God, rest upon us. In Jesus Christ's name we pray and let the church say amen. amen. Let's first look at commit your life to God. And so I want to begin by uh, challenging you and encouraging you to, uh, to be determined to obey God no matter what. And so uh, be determined in this because uh, with God's help, you can live your life in such a way that nobody can find, or find cause or blame in it. And so we, you and I, we must be men and women of integrity. We must be dependent on God going above and beyond what is expected to bring God's name honor and God's name glory. And so I want to uh, use an illustration, uh, no doubt, uh, uh, very, might be a very familiar story to some of you if you're a football fan. And so in the early 70s, the New York Jets, now listen, I know nobody cares about the Jets, but just bear with it. The name might be familiar. It turns out good. I know we're talking about the Jets, but it does turn out good. And so in the early 70s, the New York Jets drafted Mike Holmgren to be the backup quarterback for Joe Namath. So these were in the glory days when the, when the Jets were relevant. Uh, but they cut him from the team. And so it was a heartbreaking moment for uh, Coach Holmgren, uh, who more than 20 years later became the head coach of the Green Bay Packers, won the Super Bowl there, uh, Brett Favre and all that good stuff. And so in an interview uh, with the magazine, uh, Men of Integrity, uh, the coach began to talk about his days in which he got cut and what happened after that. He says this said a very interesting, interesting statement here. He said, I committed my life to Jesus Christ when I was 11 years old. But in my pursuit to make a name for myself in football, I left God next to my dust covered Bible. But after getting cut from the Jets, I pulled out my Bible, find comfort in a verse I had memorized in Sunday school. This was the verse. It said, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. 
Congress said, I asked Jesus Christ to take control again. And he said, my priorities in life are faith, family, and football in that order. So Coach Hunger here, what he did was he, in essence, is telling you and I that, listen, uh, in my pursuit of, you know, fame, the no doubt football dreams and all of these things that many uh, young athletes aspire to, I began to take my eyes off of who and what was important. I began to take my eyes off of, you know, where my gifts came from, where my abilities came from. And he said what I had to do was I had to, you know, humble myself upon getting cut and realizing my dream was over. And I had to go back to, the, you know, to where I started. And he said, in essence, I had to get my priorities straight. Listen tonight, how many know God gave him a peace? He recommitted his life to Christ. He put uh, God back first in his life, and God took care of the rest. Can I ask you, where is God in your life? Is God first in your life? Listen, this is sometimes, listen, we as Christians, we're very good at deceiving ourselves. You know, the Bible tells us our heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? And so we're very good at deceiving ourselves. We'll tell ourselves God is first until we begin to measure it up against some tangible things in life. So can I ask you, where is God in your life? Have you left God next to your dust-covered Bible? Do you acknowledge God every day? Are you determined to obey him or are you just going about your life doing it your own way? See, because a lot of times, listen, this is where the rubber meets the road in life. When we have to make a decision, listen, am I going to keep doing things the way I want to do them? Am I going to do things the way God wants me to do it? Can I tell you, listen, if your life is in turmoil, perhaps check your priorities. Put God first in your life and let him take care of everything else along the way. Listen, that's not saying that, listen, if you do that. See, a lot of times we, we live in a microwave generation, right? And so pastor said it, man, I just put God first. So, you know, okay, God is first. You'll begin to write God first and then begin to, you know, do everything. I'm going to go to church first and I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to put the church app on the top of my, you know, uh, watch list and all these things. I put God first. See, God, I'm putting you first. And then something happens, you're like, see, man, shoot, this stuff don't work. And we go right back to doing what we were doing before. Listen, this is not saying that things will never happen again. This is not saying that problems will never happen again. This is not saying that, you know, uh, assaults will not come. I wish that were true, but it's not. And so what Daniel's commitment to God uh, uh, didn't take away his problems. In fact, they exacerbated his problems. See, because as God, as Daniel was committed to God, his integrity now made him a target with his fellow workers. So they looked for a way to get rid of him. And so Daniel 6, 6 through 7 says this. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and they said thus to him, King Darius live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and the satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever uh, petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, Daniel's one of these governors that they're talking about. How many know Daniel's around when all this is going on? And one of the things that we discussed in Fly is that Daniel didn't say a word. Daniel didn't say a word. All these, these things are going on. He knows they're conspiring against him. Who else are they talking about? They made this whole decree for one man. They made this whole decree for him because they know. They said, we got to get him out of here. See, they began to play on the king's ego, elevating him above all the other gods for 30 days. And, you know, all these things. I mean, you know, no one, no one uh, was to pray to anyone else but the king. That's kind of weird. 
They weren't doing that before. Now they got, oh, they're just going to pray to you. See, this would uh, establish two things, political loyalty, and then it has some religious overtones. See how the devil likes to do? The devil likes to make non-God things and, and put, just to put a little bit of God stuff in there so, you know, in hopes that Christians will fall for it. See, this was an act of worship, and uh, no man uh, was to commit, you know, to, to, uh, you know, to, their, to their gods. And so they knew, they said, listen, this is going to get Daniel, because we know who Daniel is. Because if he can't participate in the worship, what is he going to do? We know Daniel's faithful. We know he's loyal. We know that Daniel, you know, we know the trap is set. Daniel 6, 8 through 9. Now, O king, establish the decree. Sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which, uh, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Now the trap was set. Now, you got to understand something. A written decree by the king that's been signed cannot be voided or vetoed even by the king himself. They got him. It can't be voided. The king can't say, oh, man, I didn't think about Daniel. Oh, man, because the king likes Daniel. I didn't think that this was going to hurt my friend. I didn't think this was going to, you know, uh, uh, bother Daniel. And, you know, the king can't change it. And they knew that and they got him. See, it looks like Daniel's commitment to God is going to get him into a lot of trouble. But what does Daniel do about it? Let's look at verse 10. Put up verse 10 for us. Uh, now, Daniel went, when, when, now, when Daniel learned that the decree had, had been published, he went home to his upstairs room, closed the windows, and hid. Anybody in the Bible say that? The screen don't say that, does it? doesn't. It says this. It says, now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home in his upper room with his windows open towards, towards Jerusalem. He knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave God gave thanks before his God, as was his custom. Think about that. What's this telling you and I? Daniel didn't change a thing. Daniel said, y'all do what y'all got to do. I'm going to do what I know to do. See, this is a man at peace in the midst of a tumultuous situation. Listen, I mean, God doesn't take away the problem. God just gave him peace in the midst of it. God's not going to take away our problems all the time, but he will give us peace as we go through these things. See, this happened because Daniel had committed his life in the Lord's hands. Daniel, you got to think just some quick backstory. Daniel was taken away from his, and these other Jewish, uh, uh, you know, uh, slaves, they were taken away from uh, in the captivity by the Babylonians. They were put into servitude, all these things, they were taken away. Everything that they knew was stripped from them. And Daniel and, and, and a few choice men were, you know, selected to serve the king personally. And so they had been putting through all these schoolings and all these things. And this is where, no doubt, we talked about earlier uh, the Daniel's fast. We got all that from uh, uh, what began to happen there in Daniel 1. And, you know, then uh, after that, you know, uh, he, he, they gained uh, favor with the king and uh, Nebuchadnezzar, who was utterly crazy. And so then after that, you know, uh, the king made he made a golden image, told him to bow down to it. Daniel was you know, uh, in high position there and his friends didn't bow down to the to the uh, golden image there. And, you know, Daniel had to watch his friends get thrown into this fiery furnace and he had to watch his friends, uh, no doubt, go through this situation. And God was able to bring them out. Nebuchadnezzar says, you know, hey, we, no other God is able to deliver like this. And then Nebuchadnezzar goes crazy. And they're all back in a different situation. Another wicked king comes, he dies, and then now we're at with King Darius. So Daniel has committed his life 
to the Lord even while he's in captivity. Daniel, this, this is, sometimes when we read the Bible, you got to know the context. You got to know what's going on because we can read these accounts and we can see these people and we say, oh, that's just a good story. No, this is a man's life. This happened in the 70 years of his life. And this man is able to find peace. His life is, listen, his life has not been easy. He's gone through the ups and downs of life. He's gone, he's prospered. He's seen, you know, friends, no doubt. His, his family, no doubt, has been missing. And all these other things can't be around him. All these things that's going on in his life. Had to learn new language, given a new name. All these things have been stripped. Life comforts have been stripped from him. And he's still serving God. God didn't take away his problems, but he gave him peace in the midst of it. If you want to be able to stop the worry and experience God's peace, then first of all, I want to encourage you to commit your life to God. Be determined to obey God no matter what. Pastor talked about this morning, you know, being a pillar in the house of God. You know, being a pillar requires you to be consistent. Being a pillar requires you, you know, uh, not to get, you know, passed out about offenses, not to, you know, waver at the, at the first sign of trouble. Not to waver at the first sign of somebody offending you. All oh, the nursery workers might, they put my baby out. Sorry. I always go to the nursery because it seems like we're sending babies back and forth. Man, we're having so many babies, man. God bless the nursery workers. Amen. You know, this double portion on them. Blessing. And so, you know, but we can't allow these things to get us all kinked up and twisted because we have to be able to serve God. Be determined to obey God. Put God first in your life just like Daniel did. Then second, if you want to experience God's peace in your life, uh, pray to God every day. It's something that sounds simple, don't it? It sounds real good, don't it? It sounds real easy. Yeah, yeah, Pastor, I can do that. It's harder than you think because the devil doesn't want you to talk to God. The enemy does not want you to talk to God. In essence, this is what this whole decree was about. They wanted to cut off Daniel's communication with God. They said, no other, no other uh, man can pray to any other, any other God or any other man except for you, King. For 30 days, for a month. Try to go without praying for a month. See how it goes for you. You'll become very weird. <laughs> Trust me. I know some people that don't pray for, you know, a couple days and they get weird. I get weird, you know. And so, listen, uh, try going 30 days without talking to God. You get weird. That's why Jesus had to come. Y'all know that, right? Y'all open your Bibles in between the Old Testament and New Testament, the little white page. That's when God was quiet for like 400 years. And when Jesus had to come because people went crazy because there was no communication with God. They had to send Jesus, right? Talk to God every chance you get. Pray your way through the day. Trust God to take care of you. That's what Daniel did. Daniel continued to pray as he always did, even when they told him he couldn't. Daniel 6, 11. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Daniel was so consistent in his prayer life that people knew they knew exactly where to go. They knew what Daniel was going to be. Three o'clock. All right. Let's go by his crib. I bet he's going to be in there praying. let's, let's, Let's Snapchat him. Let's put him on Instagram. We're going to put it on a Facebook message. We're going to send it to uh, the King Darius. We're going to put him up. He can't lie about it. Daniel's like, man, my window's open, bro. I ain't trying to lie about nothing. I'm pulling the curtains back extra wide. And Daniel going to the third level or third octave. Daniel praying so loud the walls are shaking. Daniel like, I don't care what y'all talking about. But he was so consistent in his prayer life that they knew 
that listen, at a certain time of the day, they're going to find him. I'm surprised they didn't take the king to go see it. See, they knew they were going to catch him in the act. Daniel was not only a man of integrity, Daniel was a man of prayer. See, John uh, Wolvert uh, put, put it this way in his commentary on uh, Daniel. He said this, in spite of the pressure of being a busy executive with many demands upon his time, Daniel had retired to his house three times a day to offer his prayer for the peace of Jerusalem as well as for his personal needs. This was not the act of a person uh, courting martyrdom, but the, continual, the continuation of a faithful ministry of prayer which had characterized his, li- his long life. And so basically what he's saying is that, listen, Daniel is busy. He's an executive. He's all these things. He has these responsibilities to do. But Daniel still carved out time three times a day out of his life to go pray, not only for himself, but for, for uh, you know, for the J- Jerusalem, for his, uh, his people. And so Daniel was a man of prayer. He was consistent. He was steadfast in this several times a day. We, we know that. And they knew it was the only way that, listen, they could catch Daniel. But Daniel knew this is the only way he could find peace in what he was going through. Yeah, I mean, you ever been on a job and they out to get you? I, I mean, for real, out to get you. I don't mean like you just think they out to get you, but you know they out to get you. It's a stressful thing. I've been in this situation before. It's a very stressful thing. It's annoying. Your character's being assaulted and assassinated. It's annoying. And so Daniel here is dealing with this every time he goes to work. He, he going to a place, man, Daniel, like, I got to pray three times a day because if not, I'm going to kill somebody. A church sign once said this, when your, knees, when your knees knock together, kneel on them, pray. It gets the knees to stop knocking every time. But see, we got to do this like Daniel does. We got to do it consistently. Got to learn to pray consistently. Don't just pray uh, what I like to call 911 prayers. See, we, we, we can get good at that. We don't talk to God for real, for real, until something goes down. Your, your child gets sick and, you know, the doctor said it ain't looking good. Oh, Lord God, I need you. I really need you in the chair rocking and doing the old school humming and all that. But, you know, we don't really pray until, you know, that bank account gets low. And we got a bill due. Then we'll get in that corner, man. We'll, get, we'll be like the old lady in war room, man. We'll be writing in prayer. Send it down, Lord. Send it down. You know, we'll be up in there. But what about just regular every day? What about when we don't really need nothing? Why we ain't being Jimmy? Oh, what does that mean? I got names for everything. That means, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy. Gimme, gimme. My name is Jimmy. What about when we don't really need nothing? Do you pray when you don't need nothing? You just pray, just, God, I just love you. God, I just want to thank you. See, those are the prayers that are the hardest sometimes because we feel like, man, God, my prayers don't really have no direction. We want to be super spiritual. How about just being super consistent? I'm not sitting up here throwing stones because I, I have no, uh, no doubt that I'm inconsistently consistent. So I'm preaching to myself also. We need to pray and believe God on a consistent level. Ran across another article. It says this, a storm came up and threatened to sink their little boat. So his friends, uh, his friends begged him to pray. The Christian objected. He said, it's been a long time since I've done that or even entered a church. At their insistence, however, he finally cried out, Oh, Lord, I haven't asked anything for you in 15 years. And if you help us now and bring us to safety on land, I promise I won't bother you again for another 15. That's how we can be. You know they called him a Christian in that. They said this Christian. They knew he was Christian, so they said pray. You know, it's so funny. You know, we can, we can take that Christian title. I mean, no people that take that Christian title, they don't do nothing Christian. 
until somebody needs them to do something Christian. And then they can act. I told you, it's easy to act Christian, but it's hard to live like one. This is why so many people sit in church for years and years and years, and they think they're Christian, and they're really not. They're Christian by name only, but they're not Christian by deeds. And it's going to be sad when we stand before a holy, righteous God, and he tells us, who are you? Man, I, I'm telling you, I'm going to go slap crazy. So y'all going to see me up there. I hope this ain't going to happen to me. I'm just claiming it right now. But I'm saying in an alternate universe, in, in bizarro world, if this happened, I'm, y'all, y'all going to be like, see, he said it like 20 times while he preached. He told us he's going to go slap crazy. See, that's, I'm afraid this is the way many people pray, as this story does, 15 years at a time. Only when something happens. Only when something goes down and when they're in the, in the stress of life, that's when people pray. We have prayer before every service. The church is open every single day for prayer in the mornings. This is probably one of the only churches in the city that's like that. And how many people show up? And if you do, praise God. But if you don't, why not? So many people cry out to God only in emergencies. But listen, if we want to experience God's peace, then prayer must be more than just an escape mechanism. It has to be a way of life. And if we want God's peace in the midst of our problems like Daniel, prayer has to be a consistent thing. Why do you think Daniel prayed with the windows open towards Jerusalem in verse 10? It was because God had told his people that if they were ever uh, taken captive, they should pray towards Jerusalem. And if they did, God promised to hear their prayers, to forgive their sins, and to uphold their cause in a foreign land. He said this in Second Chronicles 6, 36 through 39, if you're taking notes. See, Jeremiah the prophet urged the Jewish captives in Babylon to pray, knowing that God would bring them back to Jerusalem, which, which was at the time in ruins. So Daniel prayed with his window open because he was being obedient to God even at this time. See, the Bible don't, don't miss words. The Bible just don't put stuff out there for no reason. Everything has a reason. Is this the way we pray? Confident in God. Confident that God is going to keep his promises. I hope you do because it's the only way for us to find peace in the midst of our troubles. Let's begin to close here with uh, experience God's, experiencing God's peace. You and I, we must be able to rest even in a den of trouble. See, we uh, we have to be able to stop worrying and relax and uh, in the assurance that God has God is there to protect us. Look at what Daniel what happened to Daniel in uh, Daniel six twelve through fourteen. It says this. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. King, did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or or man except to you, O king, will be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. He was looking for a loophole in the law that he had signed because he liked Daniel. He understood what Daniel was about, but he could do nothing about it. Look at this, Daniel. Uh, we're going to jump to verse 15 and 16. It says this. Then the men went as a group to the king and said to him, 
Remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, this, and I want you to lock your minds here, right here. Just, just, just visualize this for me, what's going on here. I'm a visual person, right? So they go and they get Daniel, and the king, this is the king's friend. The king is like, gosh, I forgot about Daniel. And now, my friend, I'm, I'm sentencing him to death. And these are lions. Y'all got to understand something. It says a lion's den, but the, in, if, if you read it in translation, if you study what that word means, it's actually a pit in the ground. So they got these lions, you know, locked in this pit in the ground, and they don't feed them like that, right? They do this on purpose. This is, to them, this is a, a form of entertainment for them, right? They lock these, these lions. Anybody ever been to the zoo? Right? You ever heard a lion roar? I don't mean one of them little weak lions either. I mean the real one, the, the, the strong one. You ever heard one of them jokers roar? How did it sound? Anybody? Anybody that heard it? How did it sound? It was powerful, right? Shook your bones a little bit. There's a whole den full of them. And they're hungry. Y'all, I know y'all watch them nature videos, because I do. <laughs> People be getting attacked by stuff and all that. Man, it's, 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 it's like that. It's fact. We stand no chance against these things. It's amazing that God gave us dominion over them, but we stand no chance against them if they really want to do something to us. It's crazy. And so they're lowering Daniel down here, right? And the king says something very interesting to Daniel. He said, listen, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. Because the king is saying, I can't. The most powerful man in the land can't do nothing for his friend. The most powerful man, he has all the power, but for 30 days, he can't do nothing. He has to wait for his friend. He can't do a thing. Sign his friend's death note. Said, Daniel, listen, I hope, I hope that God that you pray to can do something for you, because I can't. In verse 17 to 18, it says a stone was bought and placed over the mouth of the dead. They want to make sure he wasn't getting out. This ain't no little pebble neither. This is a big old stone they rolling over here. And the king had to sign it with a seal on his signet ring and the, and the ring of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might, might not be changed. Then the king returned to the place and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. There was no peace in the palace that night. The king could not sleep. The, uh, king Darius, and all, he has all this wealth and power and influence, and a, no doubt in a moment of time he could launch an attack against his enemy and utterly wipe them out. And he has his friend here and can't do nothing about it. He said he didn't sleep because Daniel was in the lion's den. But you know what? Daniel found rest of the lion's den. Daniel was all right. Uh, 19 through 23 says this. At the first light of dawn, the king got up, hurried to the lion's den. And when he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguishing voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered him, O king, live forever. My God sent his angels and shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the dead. And when Daniel was lifted from the dead, no wounds were found on him because he had trusted his God. Now think about this. Think about Daniel in that lion's den. We don't hear Daniel whimpering and crying. We don't hear Daniel trying to fight him to get away. I don't know about y'all, but I would have jumped in my, my crazy, right? I would have just been fighting all the way down. They would have they known, hey, I would have tried to pull one of them jokers in there with me. 
hey, maybe they ain't that hungry. They can take him out, and then I can sit over here in the corner and chill on his bones or something, you know, and wait till the morning. But Daniel's there, man, and Daniel goes down. And then the, look, at, look at the faith that has been instilled in the king. The king is not a, uh, is not a uh, so to speak, a, a God follower, right? But he knows that there's something different about Daniel. He knows that this God that Daniel serves, it, it, he, he's, it, for him to just uh, uh, utterly obey this decree and begin to keep following his God when he knew what awaited him, he knew this line then awaited him. And he said he goes, he goes there with faith. Because if it would have been me, I'd have been like, get the bones out of there. Right? Because it wouldn't have been nothing left. If there was even left, pick his clothes up. Look for a shroud of clothes or, you know, shine a torch down there. Because I know Daniel's gone, y'all. You know, plan the funeral. But he goes to the den and he tells him, move that stone. And he calls out to Daniel. What an amazing thing. Where did he get this faith from? Watching Daniel. Can other people's faith, non-believers' faith, be instilled in them by what you do? See, because people watch us. And so when we're in the grocery lines, people watch us. When we're in the, you know, on social media, people watch us. People watch your social media accounts. Oh, I'm a Christian, da-da-da-da-da. What you posting? Are you posting Christian? Are you... Your, you know, your little thing, you know, your little shares and follows and likes, are they, would they line up with the word of God? How you speak out of your mouth? Is it Christian? Is it Christ-like? When we go through things, do we speak Christian? Do we speak Christ-like things? See, Daniel found rest because he rested in God. J. Oswald Chambers put it this way, peace is not in the absence of trouble, but in the presence of God. Darius couldn't find peace in the palace because God wasn't there. God was in the lion's den with Daniel. God was at work. Daniel said that God shut, sent an angel to shut the mouths of the lions. See, lions, are go, they're stupid. They're going to do what they do, right? They're smart, but y'all know what I mean. They don't, they don't have spirits like we do. And so they're going to do what they do animalistically. They see food, fresh meat, let's eat. So it didn't say that they didn't try to eat, Daniel. It said that the angel showed up and shut the mouths of the lions. Daniel 6, 24 through 28. At the king's command, the men who falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along, listen to this, along with their wives and their children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. See, the, the, the angels shut the mouths of the lions so they didn't get to eat, so they was hungry. They were real hungry. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language throughout the land, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, listen to this, people must fear and revere the God of Daniel. He didn't just say God. He said the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will, will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lion. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. God took care of Daniel because Daniel trusted God. Can that be spoken of of us? Can God take care of us because we trust him? Listen, I understand uh, we go through things in life. And listen, a lot of times it's easier said than done. We can read this account sometimes and it's so fluid as we read it. It flows and it's good. And, and, it, and we, don't un, we don't see the minute by minute the stuff that Daniel went through. But we, can, we get an overall picture that, listen, there were forces against Daniel. 
There were demonic forces against Daniel. There was evil, you know, uh, humanly forces against Daniel. And in the midst of all this, Daniel was able to find peace. And it was all attached to Daniel's prayer life. All because Daniel said, you know what? I'm still going to do what I know to do. Remember I talked about that bottom line you got to have? See, there's a bottom line we have to have. And I'm talking about prophet either. I'm talking about in our Christianity, when everything comes down, God, I'm not going to go beyond this point. I'm not going to stop praying. I'm not going to stop reading. And I'm not going to stop witnessing. These are fundamental. On your worst day, this has to be your foundational beliefs. Excuse me, that no matter what, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to stop doing the bare minimum. See, we don't want to, you know, my wife, she's always getting on my kids about don't do the bare minimum. She's always telling them to do more, right? But in this case, listen, when the world crashes down on us, sometimes the bare minimum is what's going to get you by until you can do more. Because the devil will beat you down just that much. You got to have a bottom line. All right, devil, you beat me down enough. I'm stopping right here. Guess what? I'm still going to church. Keep on hitting because I'm going there. Keep on hitting because I'm going to pray. Keep on hitting because I'm going to read this Bible. I don't care. Falling asleep, drooling, whatever. I'm going to read it. Y'all ever been reading the Bible? And you know, you know when the devil messing with you because you, uh, thus says the, and then next thing you know, all right, all right, listen, all right. You know, you spritz in the water in your face. I'm about, all right, I'm going to get through this chapter, Right? And, you, you know, that says, you know, and that all the words are missing together and everything. You're like, all right, God. Now, now, you can put the Bible down and get on Instagram. Oh, oh man. I could, oh, that's nice. I need to. Oh, that's a nice. I need to get that. And, all right. I'm good. I'm awake now. Go back to the Bible. That says, and, and it's the same thing. So we know it's demonic. But guess what? We say, God, you know what? I just was on that Instagram for five minutes. I'm going to, five minutes, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to do it because that's my bottom line. I'm going to witness still. I'm still going to show up on Saturday. I'm still going to outreach. I'm tired. My kids acting crazy. It's hot outside. Or it's cold, as Sister Margie said this morning. May need a body shield in front of you. But guess what? She was still out there trucking, telling people about Jesus. Amen. Outreach is so fun, man. We had a good time yesterday. So I want to encourage you, have a bottom line. Have a bottom line. Trust God. And in the midst of all you're doing, you've got to find peace. That's how you find peace. You know what? When we get to the end of ourselves, guess what? Ain't nowhere to go but up. Ain't nowhere to go but up. So our last verse of scripture here is so fitting. It says this, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It says, don't be anxious about anything. In every situation, by prayer, by petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. God, I'm going through it. God, you know my life is in turmoil. Sometimes you just got to get real with God. You just got to, you know, forget all the formalities and all the shandars and robos. Listen, God, this is what's going on. God, I need you to help me in my situation. God, I'm petitioning you right now. God, I'm bringing this situation before you. I want to thank you because I know you're going to do it anyway. I want to thank you before you even do it. God, I want to thank you for what you've done. I want to thank you for not allowing me to backslide in the midst of what I got going on right now. I want to thank you for letting me keep my mind as I'm going through what I'm going through. So, God, I want to petition you to help me to get the way you want me to be because, God, I already know you want me to be there because God wants us to be there. But he sometimes, listen, he's just like a parent. He lets his children go through things 
so that we can grow. The scripture goes on to say, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's an amazing promise right there. It said that the peace of God will transcend our understanding. It trans- we don't even understand. Sometimes, you know what? God has given us that peace and all that, but we're so caught up in everything, we don't even see it. Because you could be going crazy. Because there's other people looking at you like, why aren't you going crazy? If I was in your situation, I'd be losing my ever-loving mind right now. But you're just so calm, you're going through it. You don't even realize how calm you are. And you're like, man, how am I like this? Because God allowed it. God guards our hearts and our minds for us. The blood of Jesus sets us free and covers us. It's such an amazing thing. This promise we can count on. And if listen, if you use this, if you take this verse, apply it to your life, don't be anxious about anything. Again, I know it's easier said than done. But in every situation, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, bring your request to God, and he'll give you peace. Let's bow our heads tonight. Peace in the lion's den. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.